The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Good Morning New York. I'm Vince Rocco, your host, and I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. At this hour, holiday specials aren't limited to just flat screen TVs. The overpriced Manhattan real estate scene has left some homes lingering on the market for more than four years, prompting huge price cuts that make them ripe for the picking. This, according to experts and statistics compiled for the New York Post. Historically, we are now in the midst of the fastest market adjustment ever. This, according to Leonard Steinberg, president of the uh, city's giant real estate firm, Compass. Steinberg continues and says the natural forces of markets have kicked in on their own. The prices of some high-end homes have been slashed nearly in half since hitting the market. American Idol alum Clay Aiken, remember him, the singer-songwriter turned political activist who ran for Congress in North Carolina two years ago, has been spotted house hunting downtown in the financial district. One of the homes he toured was a two-bedroom, two-bathroom loft condo at 67 Liberty Street that's listed for $2.1 million. The unit has a keyed elevator entrance, opens to a wide uh, south-facing living room with an oversized arched window. There's also wide plank flooring throughout, lots of storage in the chef's kitchen, a laundry room, and spa-like bathrooms which have stone walls, rain showers, and deep soaking tubs. Residential brokerage Bond New York is expanding its reach to Upper Manhattan with acquisition of Harlem-based firm Absolute Properties. Bond, which currently operates four Manhattan offices, plans to take over Absolute Properties' sole location at 1677 Amsterdam Avenue at 143rd Street. Of Absolute's roughly 28 agents, 22 have so far committed to joining the new firm. This includes the former company's CEO and founder, Nathan Grass. Expanding into Harlem has been a goal for Bond co-founder Bruno Riccati since 2009, and he told The Real Deal the brokerage is looking to capitalize on the growing market in Upper Manhattan. Bond's offices are currently located in Chelsea, the Upper East Side, Union Square, and Columbus Circle. Landlords S.L. Green and Stephen Roth, along with the owners of the Four Seasons, approved the design for the restaurant's new location last week, according to the New York Post. There is no relationship between the old and the new restaurant. The only thing we are carrying over is the name and the sign, says co-owner Julia Nicolini. Brazilian architects designed the new space, which will be a throwback to the 1950s. The Four Seasons operated at the base of the Seagram's building for six decades before closing in July after landlord Abby Rosen declined to renew the restaurant's lease. I'm still not over that. I cannot believe that that restaurant closed. Unbelievable. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Great yes. experience. What a New York dining experience. But the venue and the, the dining experience was just absolutely incredible. All right, so we have a special guest today, A.D. Kriegstein from CORE is joining the panel. We have Matthew Cohen on his way, stuck on the subway, Deborah Hoffman <laughs> from Town Residential, and Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead Property. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. 
So I just I saw some statistics I wanted to kind of run by you guys this morning to start off. The average listed price uh, in the month, the last uh, two, I, I guess it's the last three to four weeks uh, in November, the average listed price uh, of apartments is $2.480 million. The median listed price is $1.699 million. The number of properties sold, 501 uh, listings taken off the market, 450. Listings with price drops, 682. That number got me uh, a little bit. New listings uh, in that month period, 826. Contract signed, 790. Listing inventory, 7,200 apartments on the market in that month period. And the average price per square foot, 1632 per square foot. I have to say, you know, the, the price drop number, although I know that we're in a, in a corrective kind of marketplace, that number seemed a little high, 682, but maybe not high enough. I don't know. Thoughts well, on this? I, I think what's really interesting is if you take a look at the average price of 2.4, if you break apart, welcome, Matt. Matt's here. Matt's here. <laughs> so if you break apart, we're talking about November numbers, and if you take the average listed price of 2.4 million and you break out resales of co-ops and development that differential is about a million two for the co-op market right and i didn't have quite as high as 2.4 for the development but it is a, it's interesting to look at that dichotomy of differential. Mm-hmm. Also, I just happened to do a huge presentation for an asset manage, management firm. And the, the interesting thing is that the 1 million to 5 million market <clears throat> has 3,800 listings active on the market. 3,800. 3,800 out of the 7,200. But they've closed 3,800 this year. Wow. And there are another 1,700 in contract. Oh, sorry, 1,107. Oh, wow. Wow. That's inclusive of development projects, but I think that's an interesting traction to what we're moving the, in the market. And what do we think about 790 contracts signed in the month of November? 790. That doesn't sound like a thank lot. Thank God. Yes, thank God is right. Well, it, it is It is like- a lot for what's been going on in the market because as everyone here knows, there's been so little inventory mm. that things have been flying off the shelves, but the low inventory kept the numbers lower with the price drops that you're talking about. Across the board, many sellers are getting real. The prices are getting more affordable in the minds of buyers, and they're pulling the trigger. And now the interest rates have been creeping up. So people who have been sitting on the fence are really jumping now. Yes, I agree so with So that you. makes perfect sense. Especially if you're trying to make a 10-year buy. Um, I've, I have found that that seems to be a, a logical motivator for individuals that are trying to, to upgrade to a 3,000-square-foot, 4,000-square-foot, or even just a three-bedroom. It isn't not that big, but that is that time value of money is is powerful. Especially since what's interesting about the bond market and how it affects interest rates is that it affects fixed interest rates actually a lot more than it does adjustable rate mortgages. So like a lot of my clients who were getting arms, as we call them, a few months ago when they were extremely low at 2.5, 2.6, 2.7, 2. now actually a lot higher. They're more like 3, 4, 3, 3. And actually the 30-year fix, the 15-year fix are the ones that have stayed the most 
those, well, those have stayed the most stable, actually. Those have actually stayed pretty, not the same. Obviously, they've increased, you know, a good amount, but they've haven't increased as much as the adjustable rates because it's more of what you're saying of that long-term buyer is mo- who's most likely going to get that fixed mortgage, who's pulling the trigger I've seen lately. Um, and I think you have to just look at the market in terms of a ratio. If you're looking at November, you know, you're looking at that's how many contracts were signed in the market. And then if you take us individuals, I mean, I had one contract signed in October and I had had I had five in November. So if you look at it on a ratio, it makes sense. Are buyers um, out there thinking about speculating, talking about, you know, the the possibility of uh, more increases in, in the interest rates or are they just kind of like, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I've had mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I've dealt with it numerous times recently, yeah. especially with all my buyers. Being back to Deborah's point specifically about how, yes, indeed, there's been a lot of contracts that were signed last month, but more and more buyers now, at least I've experienced, they really want to find something. They mm-hmm. know there's not that much inventory, but they're scared of what's to come. So there's extra urgency. Yeah, I'm scared of what's to come. And I think, you know, people are starting to um, slowly come back into the marketplace. And I think they're asking questions about the, the interest rates and or the hike in uh, potentially. And they're asking all sorts of questions about, you know, what is really available? I had somebody say to me the other day, but, you know, so the inventory has been so depleted. You know, what is really available? What can I buy right now for, you know, X dollar? And I'm like, well, it's not that depleted at the moment. You know, there's, right. there's right. enough out there there's for you to look back. at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's what's, kind great, of what's great about brokers and what people want to hear from brokers is not, you know, they want to hear what you're doing. They want to hear what you're doing with other your right. other clients. They want to hear what's going on in your world of real estate Absolutely. and not really read about it. Um, So I think that having said that, I think it's just important to, you know, be able to not tell a story, but be able to be honest with the rest of your clients about what your other clients are doing, because I think it tells, you know, just a really... The the power of knowledge. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What I think think is really interesting is I send out a weekly email newsletter and I could track as to who's reading it. And I've had a lot of sellers that I've pitched to in the last year who have been on the fence, they're Mm -hmm. waiting to get the top dollar, they're waiting for this and that. And these people have not been reading the newsletter. The last six weeks, they've all been reading it and I've reached out to most of them and they all said they're putting their homes on the market in the new year. So thinking about that and thinking about history for those of us who have been in the business for a while, whenever things look like they may be stabilizing or going, I hate saying going down a tiny bit because people think crash, no crash, adjusting, exactly adjusting. Adjusting. I think that's when sellers get real and this becomes a very exciting time for buyers because there will be more inventory. It's it's very interesting. I have four, maybe five uh, sellers sort of just sitting on the fence right now and I know the reason Mm -hmm. for that is Mm -hmm. because they still kind of digging in and still think they can get that higher price. I'm going to wait just a little longer because the market may, you know, flip back up again and I keep saying no 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 it's not going to do that you know over time maybe you know we'll we'll get higher prices but not at the moment and if you want to sell you need to sell you have to sell sell at the right price move on and do the next thing but you know they're just sitting there and they're waiting and they're waiting and I just don't know what they're waiting for and so, can we just say that takes stalking to a whole new level being able to see who, who not stalking but it's just a privacy seeing who can read the newsletter that's so cool online. Yeah, I, I, can, that. I can even tell I'm you like, what, I'm what such time a fan. they opened it up I love that oh my god right. like have you ever said someone I saw that you opened that at never. 5 o'clock <laughs> I would say it's one of my friends probably but not, a, not no, someone that I'm not the people who open it at two in the morning, I find they tend to be um, attorneys out. or well, or they're either not uh, 
workaholics. Attorneys. Well, they're either attorneys, academics, or um, hedge fund people who are dealing in overseas markets. Mm-hmm. And they're up anyway, and they're in between things, they're opening it up. But mm-hmm. even the property so. inquiries, when you have a listing mm-hmm. and you see when they send you through Street Easy or whatever yeah. they're searching, whatever search engine, and you get them at 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, why aren't you sleeping? It goes back to my term of people definitely use Street Easy as real estate porn. Like they're up in the middle of the night uh-huh. with your real estate porn. I'm yeah. okay with that. You know, <laughs> or if, mid- if you're okay with it, I'm okay. With or I'm that. usually awake to respond. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've had a number of clients say, "I'm surprised you're still awake." I'm like, "I'm always available for you." Yeah. <laughs> then you start thinking, about, you know, if they're sending something to me at two thirty in the morning. Why aren't you know I like immediately responding back? Which during the day I would, but it but it, it always you know begs the question: What are these people really doing? Because even in the middle of the day, you know, high powered people at, at their jobs at work, and you. Get get these street easy or whatever inquiries and I'm thinking well, aren't you supposed to be at work you know and and if you are at work what are you looking at real estate for lunch break that's what you well, have me for lunch, just lunch, call me right. and I will tell you it's what's lunch available. break don't you, you know, know when people are at work these days mm-hmm. it's one of three things they're on Facebook they're on Instagram or they're on street easy absolutely that's just all but also there are all kinds of tasking yes and there are all kinds of statistics um, which I was talking with Matthew Shadbolt who's the head of mm-hmm. shout out to him love him who's the head of internet real estate, everything great for the New York Times, but I've known him for many years. He made one of the websites in this Mm -hmm. uh, city, the great website it used to be. And um, he was telling me that there are different times of the day that people really do look and what devices they're looking on, which it makes all this sense. You think they're looking all day at work, but they're really not. It's, it's various times, but it makes sense. And that's when if we're sending out a new listing or we're sending out something new to them, we should schedule it among those times so people could really look at it. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah, yeah I, mean, you can I even, do that. You can even Google I mean, things these Google, days. Like Google when, has when, so many, exactly. so much data around exactly. this. Yeah. And the mobile um, market and how long it takes the things to upload and mm-hmm. words that they're drawn to and the digital response to visuals, all of that stuff is something that should be a tool that people on their game in real estate should be focused on. All right, we have to leave it right there. We'll be back after these messages. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The best part of being a real estate agent is in serving my clients, not just their transaction. This includes sometimes advising them not to sell if it'll improve their quality of life. Once a client decided to move out of New York City to get closer to family and they were inclined to sell, I convinced them to lease their home instead. They were shocked that I was willing to take a smaller commission for a smaller project, But after a couple of years, their home nearly doubled in value. I'm John Harrison with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Edie Kriegstein from Core Real Estate, Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential, and Louise Phillips Forbes, the one and only from Halstead Property. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Our topic for this week is closing costs. And, you know, I'm always amazed sometimes when you're working with a buyer and they come to you, with, even especially in new development, and they come to you late in the game and say, you know, well, what are the closing costs going to be? And when you tell them, they flip out. And all I think is, well, okay, so where has your attorney been all this time? You know, contract has been signed forever and you're now asking about closing costs. So I say one of the most surprising aspects of buying or selling a home in New York City and thus one of the more stressful is the amount you'll spend on closing costs, potentially tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what you're buying. Uh, that get tacked onto the purchase of a home. So, you know, for for clarity purposes, um, you know, for the listening audience out there, you know, what are closing costs and what do they entail? And why is it important when you're deciding to purchase a home in New York City that you need to understand all of these costs up front, not, you know, at the 11th hour, at the end of the, the day? I think part of that starts with building your right team. You know, building your team of mm-hmm. of. Your attorney. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo on that. And, and, and part of that, in my opinion, is 100% my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when I have people who I have bought and sold multiple times, you know, deciphering between buying in a new development and those expenses, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that um, I, I, I think that we also forget that there are opportunities to have savings in certain things like a SEMA where you have a consolidated um, transfer of buying somebody else's mortgage. So a new a purchaser can acquire mm-hmm. somebody's existing mortgage for a condo. But they're you know, anywhere from five percent for a development project for a seller, it's I don't know, eight to ten percent. Mm-hmm. Because city and state transfer tax. Absolutely. I mean, for the most part, my clients are very smart. And no matter how smart you are, you're never up to date, I find, with what the current closing costs are in New York. And I, I find it's so interesting because I personally find that most buyers, the biggest thing they consider is the mansion tax. Like, it's the it's the biggest closing cost they always think about when they're buying That's for some reason. The, you're right. And then I always Let's say to them. it. And, right. And, but then I always say to them, you know, if you're getting a mortgage, your mortgage tax is actually an even bigger closing cost. So, you know, we need to really break down what all of them are, get your buyer up to date with everything that they're going to encounter when they're buying. It is the most important Mm -hmm. thing that we can do in terms of creating expectations. Like we always talk about. Exactly. You know, not just managing the expectations, but figuring out what their needs are so you can give them the right actual estimations for costs. Are you buying a co-op or are you buying a condo? Because there's huge variations, not just a condo that's a sponsor unit versus a resale right. unit. Well, and the, and the unexpected expenses are like when you're buying in new development, you know, you're you're absorbing all of the sponsor's cost. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that when I was selling new development... Depends the, on the market. Depends right. on the market. But for the most part, in, 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 you know, robust markets or good markets, you know, the buyer is paying the transfer taxes. The buyer is paying the sponsor's attorney's fees. So they're picking up not only their 
end of the deal, but they're picking up the sponsors end of the deal or the developers end of the deal. So these are the things that used to astound buyers when I was in new development. They'd be like, well, why do I have to pay that? Now, Louise's point is, is right. In adjusting markets or markets that are changing, there are times where there are concessions and people yes. will say, okay, so maybe the sponsor will pick up you know, the mansion tax and maybe the sponsor will pick up the transfer tax, which we did in some cases. But for the most part, all of these hidden costs you know, shouldn't be so hidden. You should know these things going in. Out front. Before right up you front. even, it's part mm-hmm. of the educational process. And, um, you know, I feel that <clears throat> it's really our responsibility uh, to help, you know, um, people who are business people always have attorneys. But do they have an attorney when you have an attorney who's going to charge you hourly to do a transaction for real estate? It just shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It should be a flat fee. Always. And, Agreed. you know, mm-hmm. I also think that, you know, real estate attorneys who specialize in, particularly when you're dealing in a competitive market, it is really important that you align your your buyer, and we all have a huge pool of attorneys, but mm-hmm. aligning a buyer that could be right for that, meaning a new development that launches and you're in the friends and family mode and it's mm-hmm. not even on the market, mm-hmm. then you need to go to Frankel, you know, Frankel and Cohen and Frankel, Rob Frankel, who knows every developer and usually has 10 to 15 transactions. I love those guys, yeah. Um, it, not necessarily just him, but there, there are a handful of attorneys that specialize in these things and know, and they get offering plans sent to them before the building is launched. Absolutely. This is also why I think clients really appreciate when they're not only using you as a broker, they know that they're using a team, as Louis said. Like all of my clients know who do repeat business with me that I'm, it's not just me. You're using me, you're using my attorney, you're using my lender. We are a team. You know, you can always look at other options. I always say to people, like, interview as many people as you want, but I can tell you that there's nothing better than knowing you have a group of people behind you who are working together to give you all the information that you need. and In a timely manner. Exactly. Yes. And on top of that, you know, to get outside of the personal note, what I'm finding most interesting about the market right now is new development closing costs. Because I think it's a very interesting time to be able to go to a new development pick out an apartment that you really like. And then when you're thinking about closing costs and negotiating, it's so cool to say, well, I can actually negotiate on the price. I can maybe negotiate on the price, but still pay the sponsor fees. Or I can give you your asking price and you can cover the sponsor fees. So it's interesting to be able to not only negotiate price, but make it a little more creative. And I think that, you know, AD can definitely speak to this because one of the big things we try and do at CORE is be as creative as we can. Somebody define for us the the mansion tax because outside of New York City this does not exist. So here in New York City, when you're purchasing, yeah, I'm looking at Deborah. When you're purchasing, <laughs> looking at Deborah. That's Deborah. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what Deborah's mansion historian here. Tell us what mansion tax is. The mansion tax is a one percent tax. It's not even a tax, really. It's a fee. Well, I think it is a tax. That was put into effect when mansions were a million dollars. It's for every purchase, a million dollars or higher. It's 1% of the purchase price. And it was put into effect so the city, it's a city tax, Mm -hmm. can raise more money. Now, today, anyone who knows knows New York real estate, a $1 million purchase price could be anything from a studio to a small Mm two-bedroom. So... Yes, it's still a mansion tax. I know there have been rumblings of raising it mm-hmm. and of having it spread upstate to various counties, which honestly, it's just a way of 
the municipality getting more revenue. revenue. That's That's all it is. But it's something you don't think about. And the brokers here will, of course, tell you when you're first starting out, this is something, if you're in this price range, you have to worry about. When I first started in this business, I mean, there were not that many properties that were a million dollars. And so, you know, when you had one and you had to discuss mansion tax, people would freak out. Now, you know, we still have the upfront conversation, but everything is a million dollars in New York City. So everybody has to think about mansion tax and everybody has to think about all the other things. Now, one other point I want to make, uh, point out with um, uh, closing costs is the building fees. If you're buying in a condo, especially, there are enormous amount of building fees that people also, until they get the board package, don't really realize. And they think, well, another $7,000 in building fees or whatever the number is. And, you know, the move in, move in and move out fees, you know, all of the, the application fees, these should all be factored into your thinking process when you decide to buy something. And as Louise said earlier, it starts with us. And if we build our team properly and we give our team to our buyers and, and explain to them what they should be expecting, then it should be a flawless transaction. And I say that, you know, yeah. loosely because and nothing in real estate in New York is, is flawless. And off you that, can, know, can, can, we, can we just all come on the same page that mansion tax drives me crazy? It, it drives me crazy. I want to say bonkers, but it's um, to be a little it. more professional. It, it um, You're spending a million dollars you know, it's $10,000 when you compare it to a million. Can we not make a huge deal about it? And one of my favorite things about my first year in the business years ago is that I had three buyers on that million mark. And I love this story because all three of them, we wound up negotiating just below a million. We mm-hmm. did like nine ninety nine yes. for them. Yes. And we got them the accepted offer. We're doing due diligence. And all three of them said, oh, I'm now worried that the IRS is going to come after me because I negotiated it to nine ninety nine, And I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. My, my, it's just, I think it's such a huge phenomenon in New York and we need to stop harping on it so much. Well, well, just like a lot of other things. And the other point I want to point out is, and I think Louise mentioned this before, attorney's fees. Very important. Okay. Ask upfront what your attorney is going to charge you. Uh, it should be a flat fee. Sometimes they bill by the hour, you know, and then you get caught at the end with this. And this just happened to a buyer of mine last year. He was stunned at the closing. He never really asked the question. And when the, when the attorney gave him his bill, he said, how could this be so much? He said, well, I told you, we I bill by the hour. Well, just like brokers in the city, I find it so amazing, I guess, that because the three attorneys I work with very closely, none of them uh, charged by the hour. Right. They're all flat fee. Actually, and they all of an hour. It's not by the hour. Okay, so if they're from, <laughs> a, big, if they're well. from a big a big law firm, even a middle sized law firm, it's by the tenth of an hour. So if you call that attorney with a quick question, you're getting billed. Hey, that's why a tenth of an hour. That's oh, why that's, Deb's the historian. There aren't no, that, there aren't that many of them. Most of them are flat rate or mm-hmm. you know, one rate, whatever you my, want to call my it. Point but, of that, tell you. but my point of that is is there's so many brokers in the city, and I think there's so many real estate attorneys. And for how much real estate attorneys make, I, I can't believe um, real estate attorneys can even get by anymore charging yeah. hourly because I just think so many are flat rate now. Uh, but but also there's a phenomenon that I've experienced in as we've grown in these big numbers where you've got the 30 million the 45 million the 15 million those attorneys those flat fees are sometimes twenty thousand oh, yeah. dollars mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm, exact mm-hmm. same work mm-hmm. right. not that I want them to have a piece of their pie um, but that is something to be conscious of yes I, I made the mistake of quoting 
somebody who I do 30 transactions a year. And when it was a $12 million deal, they're like, please don't quote my, my rates. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> enough of that too, but you know, Again, be smart, be sensible, ask questions, because sometimes buyers don't really know what to ask, and that's, that's why they that's have true. us, right? Exactly. And the other thing I want to say, because I am con- I am consulting a number of boards um, of co-ops because they are having difficulties keeping up with the changing market, and people don't want to deal, you know, it's one thing to deal with the board approval process, but people... And are not allow are they are not pre- uh, prepared to purchase something where they can't have wet over dry they mm-hmm. can't have through mm-hmm. the wall air conditioning what do you mean I'm coming from a central air apartment I'm not, I can't have central air so I'm trying to advise these boards uh, and I have five that I'm working with right now to try to keep up with the times um, secondly and that goes to expenses. Um, you know, flip tax, the philosophy of a flip tax, which is a source of income for a building, which I am a big proponent of mm-hmm. for my own building Me because I, we have a 1926 building that is not getting any younger and she needs work. Mm-hmm. And so that source of income is is really important for the longevity of the building. But I think it's important for the buildings to not dictate who is responsible for that? The market should dictate that. Great. All right, we have to take a break. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. I'm here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Edie Kriegstein from Core Real Estate, Deborah Hoffman, Town Residential, and Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Property. It's not only rough out there for apartments, apartment-seeking New Yorkers. When it comes to attracting the attention of potential buyers or renters, 
Brokers face fierce competition, too. According to the Huffington Post, New York City is home to a whopping 27,000 brokers. And in order to distinguish themselves in such a crowded playing field, they sometimes have to resort to creative tactics. One way to make a listing stand out, name dropping. But while it makes sense that apartment hunters would be intrigued by the idea of living Somewhere like this West Village townhouse where Taylor Swift is renting until the renovations on her Tribeca penthouse are complete, would they be as interested in living in that building if she weren't there? So, in other words, if you're an agent and you're touting the fact that a celebrity or a star or whomever is living in the building or actually it's their apartment that you're trying to sell or rent, does do you really think that that makes a difference? People ask me that all the time. And my answer to that is I don't think it does. I think that there's cocktail trivia. You know, I love the history of, you know, I was just thinking about 333 West End Avenue because, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, James Taylor used to live there. I think that cocktail trivia is great New York cocktail mm-hmm. trivia. Um, well, I care that Kim Kardashian, you know, Instagrammed from the penthouse <laughs> on Washington. Probably not. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I think when it becomes... I think I, James I, Taylor, you know, kind of I mean, wins out on that one. I agree. I Louise is sorry. I think when it's like a historic factor, like, you know, on 72nd and Central Park West with John Lennon, you know, the Dakota, something like that, I think is a really cool... That's a story-building. You know, yeah. piece of history. But, right. you know, unfortunately, it's just the times, and I actually think that it does affect, you know, the Taylor Swift thing, for example. Um, one of the reasons I actually, newsflash, hate to be a millennial is because I get coupled in with these people who will actually move into that building because Taylor Swift lives there. Um, I mean, there was a Taylor Swift museum exhibit in the seaport last Friday night. I don't know if people knew that, but the fact that she is she's like 25 and she she has a museum exhibit. So that just shows you the way our world works these days. More than that, you have to know your client. I mean, I've taken buyers out and I've had to hush other agents because they've name dropped and I know that that will become Mm -hmm. offensive to my clients and sure enough, they're like, well, I don't want to live here now. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's a private I used, I, mean, to li- I used to live at the Century. I owned a condo at the Century, 25 Central Park West, and it was the end of the uh, Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton presidency. And they came to he and Hillary came to look at an apartment oh that was on God, the market. Yes. And I kept thinking, oh, and I happened to be in the building that day, and I heard all the fuss outside, and I realized quickly what was going on. And I thought, well, you know, I had two schools of thought. Now, do I want them living in this building? Because what that kind of you know creates after the fact could be crazy. Or not. And then uh, also while I was living there, Bono um, from U2 mm-hmm. was living in the building. I mean, whenever he was in New York. So I, that building had a lot of ce- celebrated people. And, you know, it was just kind of like, who cared? You know, sometimes you'd see them, sometimes you wouldn't. And, yep. yep. and it, was so, just what, it was what it was. But something like a former president movie potentially moving into the building that kind of got me like oh no <laughs> no but 80 is oh, no. so right no you know know your client you can't generalize can't. in new york city mm-hmm. um you know being someone who has celebrity clients myself you know if i was the selling broker you know and someone brought um kim kardashian say to a listing of mine you know uh, i would not talk about a celebrity who lives in the building or someone who owns the apartment because they want privacy. Yes. They actually, even though there is so much press about them, I truly feel that at the end of the day, they do appreciate privacy. And that's why you would talk about 
you know, all the things that they can gain by living in the building that, Mm -hmm. you know, relate to them obtaining the the privacy that they want, not necessarily the other people that live there. And there are a number of buildings on the Upper East Side, Upper West Side, which are not the hot downtown places anymore. A number of celebrities, everything from TV people to movie people, past and present, live in a lot of these buildings. Mm -hmm. And the the reason they're uptown is they really want a life. They don't want people to know they're all over. And sometimes when you see them in the elevator and just say hello and good morning. They work out of my gym on 92nd Street. They're all over the place. Everybody (laughs) is in that gym. Everyone wants their privacy. Yeah. And, you know, you don't go up to them when they're in the gym because that's their own private space. But you see people go up and say, oh, uh, you know, hey. And I'm like, leave the guy alone. You know, he's he's working out. Except I was in a flywheel class recently with Kelly Ripa and I told her that I really liked her shoes. So, (laughs) but I would have told that to anyone. It wasn't because it was Kelly. (laughs) I love Kelly. I thought Luis was Kelly Ripa. And then I was like, wait, I can't tell you apart. (laughs) All right. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. We we talked a little bit about this in the closing cost segment, but what what what's the most overlooked? A piece of the home buying process for our buyers again time the management of time the management what, of time is one of them for sure getting a mortgage going to contract how long you wait for the board process those are all variables that we don't have necessarily control over the, and, mm-hmm. we and, don't but I think as you said earlier it's our responsibility to at least point these things out to the buyers because Oftentimes, they just don't know what to ask, especially if they're first-time buyers and they have never purchased in New York City. Unlike anywhere else in the world, buying something here in town is more difficult than any place around the country. You have to deal with their expectations and set out at least some sort of generalized timeline for them Absolutely. immediately and up front. And the other yes. thing I say, pre-qualification is not pre-approval. Correct. How often do buyers get caught up? Uh, oh, I'm pre-qualified. Well, how really? Or I'm I'm sorry, I'm pre-approved. No, no, no. You're yeah, not pre-approved. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're pre-qualified. Anybody can pick up the phone and tell a bank or whatever they want to tell them on the yeah. phone, and they mm-hmm. say, Yeah, sure, you, you you'll qualify for that loan. No problem. Now you're out running around for a couple of weeks, month or two, sometimes, and then when push comes to shove, you, you the banker says, um, mm, No, you can't do that. You you don't have enough of whatever. Closing or, or, etc. Right. In addition, many people, especially from out of town, and when I say out of town, it could be an outer borough. It could be Nassau County or Westchester County or right across the river in New Jersey, people will get pre-qualified from one of these online mm, companies and they're buying a co-op. Well, that's And that's these the companies have no idea how to work in a co-op. There are a special kind of mortgage you have to get in co-ops and it just doesn't work. And it is our job to be able to explain that to the buyers clearly, concisely, without telling them what an idiot. Frankly, to <laughs> other agents as well. I had I received yeah. an offer from someone mm-hmm. the other day and I said to the agent, I said, you know, with all due respect, you know, yes, this may be a pre-approval letter. Thank God they got that. But it was from some, you know, no-name bank in, the, in across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, in Wisconsin. And it, it, exactly. Right. It, it yeah. doesn't fly. Yeah, I, you have to be informed. Yes. <laughs> I think that it's also important um, for us uh, to, I do a lot of consulting with banks also, private wealth. Um, you know, just had a situation with Merrill Lynch where their private client was trying to get a mortgage, and I did not know this, but they had a contract signed for 15 years with a loan servicing processing center in the middle of nowhere, PHH, mm-hmm. and 
and they don't know what they're they don't know what they're doing. And my phone's ringing. They, they don't know uh, what they're doing, and especially again, it's actually the bank. It's Merrill Lynch calling. Keep our But private. listen, the truth of the matter <laughs> is, the is that the client Lynch. was declined mm-hmm. and felt like it was my fault. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold yeah. on. Merrill Lynch is owned by Bank of America. Here's the contact mm-hmm. I gave you mm-hmm. five months ago, and. And we will get you through the process. So they are now taking PHH's process loan in Wisconsin and reapplying. But that is so important. And the private wealth and the bank uh, for the uh, these bankers really need to understand timing because their processes, I'm having to take their clients away from them yeah. because they're saying, we'll get this to you next month. And they have got an offer in for something for ten million dollars. So I also yes, to go I back to same thing happened. To go back to Vince's subject um, about what people look over the most. I do find that both buyers and sellers, one of the biggest things I always want to harp on um, is closing date. Because I find that a lot of people, when they read over their contract and they review everything, when their attorney says it's good to go, um, they for some reason miss the on or about. And so I always find it important to describe that, you know, um, you know, I've had sellers and then I've had buyers and they're like, my closing date is January 1st. And then when they all can't match up for January 1st, they're like, this, this is not okay. You know, this was our date, yada, yada, yada. No, you actually had an on or about date. And what's important about that in New York City contracts is that legal language in a contract in New York City, usually 95% of the time will say you have a 30 day grace period from that closing date. So not a new development. Well, right, because right. it's a very different process yes. and you, you know, it, it depends on when the TCO comes out in the occupancy, but with a resale, sorry, good mm-hmm. point, Luis, you know, with a resale, if the buyer is ready to close January 1st, but the seller, you know, wants to push it to January 15th, if you have an honor about date, they can do that. There's nothing you can do to get that sooner if they don't agree. I will tell you in, in, Every aspect of, of a transaction that we go through in New York, closing dates are always my biggest problem. Always, they pop up almost in every deal, either it's the seller or the buyer, whoever I'm representing. Oh, I don't want to close then. I need to do this or I need to do that. Or I need to close in a hurry because my rental is expiring and I got to be out in mm-hmm. a week. It's always something. And, you know, it causes the most stress, I think, out of every component of our transaction. And there's a lot of components, including the boards and and the interviews and the the, uh, the packages and all that stuff. But closing dates create such arguments. And you're right. It's one of those details that like when you're setting your client's expectations, especially with buyers, it's really, it's really important to explain to them that it's not all about price. It's all about the the full package package of the the offer because you know what? If the seller and the buyer don't agree on Mm -hmm. timing, Mm -hmm. then that offer is kind of gone. So it's so important to say the details. uh, Matt, and this time of the year is when people, closing dates become more crucial for tax purposes. So I have to close this year absolutely or i really want to push the closing to next year so you have to uh, i also utilize in my negotiations that 30-day grace period so if we know for a fact your rental you have to be out by january 31st then let's make sure that we put the grace period built into that Mm -hmm. so that they can't postpone it later than the 31st and to matt's point too about you know the um the uh the closing the actual honor about rather closing uh date 
a board can get in the middle of that. And I just had a condo board take six weeks to approve a package, a condo board, which in a building that I sell in all the time, and it was summertime and who was away and who was not there and whatever. Six weeks now, we went way beyond the on or about date and every, both sides were crazy, especially the seller because he needed to do something, you know, uh, immediately. And he also travels around the world for work. So, you know, you got to be careful about all that stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I can't control a board. As Louise said earlier, there are some things that we just cannot control. But six weeks, I think, was just a little too much. And yeah. it went completely haywire and both sides were you know ready to kill we got to go to break we're coming back for our last segment in a few minutes listen to commercials we'll come we'll be back soon the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com i've been a real estate broker for 14 years and I really believe that success in any business happens one happy customer at a time. A client once told me, Maggie, you're going to be my broker for life. And I really take a lot of pride in that. When you exceed a customer's expectations, you know you've done a great job for them. You've gone above and beyond. They're going to give you repeat business. They're going to refer you to their family and friends. It means that they really, really trust you. I'm Maggie Kent with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back for our last uh, segment of the day. If you're hunting for the perfect property in New York City, how do you submit the winning bid and beat out the competition? Very good question. As you Use probably know by now, yeah. well, of course, <laughs> the good times are on hold at the moment in New York City real estate, but when the markets are strong, it creates a frenzy on the buy side. So today is really all about the buyers. Whether you're looking for a brownstone condo or co-op, inventory is generally tight in New York City. Properties are usually... Um, usually reach record prices per square foot and go into contract in record time. Submitting the winning bid could be something that you and your broker may be able to achieve on the first property you fall in love with, or it could take several tries. Don't get hung up on striking out. Pick yourself up. Keep looking for your property, and eventually you will be the one to submit the winning offer. So, you know, let's talk about some tips as buyers, brokers that we all are, in addition to selling brokers. Um, what are some of the tips you tell your buyer? And let's pretend it's a very frenzied market. It's a very hot market, and you know, properties are priced and selling pretty quickly. What are some of the things that we tell our buyers before we go out with them the first time or the second time? As we prepare them and our team, what are some of the things we tell them because the market is hot that you need to be prepared to do 
to get that apartment should you find one and fall in love with? Please have your pre-approval letter. Well, it's oh, not even a word. I go step further. A file yeah. for your mortgage. That's yes. part of before Perfect. we even start. Exactly. As prepared as possible. And then you wait for the right apartment to mm-hmm. assign that commitment to. That That is what my strategy has been. Secondly, you know, you build the team and and you educate simultaneously. So mm-hmm. the attorney, the if you want to, many of my clients want an apartment that they want to put their own taste to. So aligning them with interior designers, all of those things. But I really think that that crucial point in today's environment is to have your financial ducks in a row where Absolutely. you have a Rebney. I have my Rebney, my, my financial statements filled out from our first conversation, mm-hmm. which is not always easy, but yeah. it's how you start to build trust and have yourself armed with the knowledge that you need to sell them properly. When and I, I take managing, it a step further, Luis, actually, I do everything that you do, but additionally, once I have that revenue form and their pre-approval, if we're in this frenzied marketplace, I explain to them how they need to win out a bid if they're using a mortgage. And mm-hmm. specifically, we have a discussion about losing your contingency, the pros and cons, the risks involved, so that they're knowledgeable and understand mm-hmm. if they are in a bid situation, they if they want to win, cash trumps. If they don't have cash, they need cash to be cow. able to but You also do need that. to have them aligned with their attorney in this conversation. Correct. Because yeah. some attorneys will say, absolutely not. I, so yes, I think it's important point. to understand what that well, means. Well, again, when you're building your team around you as the broker, and hopefully you have attorneys that are understanding of certain conditions and market conditions Mm -hmm. and strategies because you know sometimes offering more cash down you know 20 percent gets you in but sometimes if you put 30 or 40 percent down that makes you a little more attractive to the seller waiving the mortgage contingency as 80 just said uh you know in in some cases because that makes you more competitive that now becomes like a cash deal to the seller so Agree to the seller's terms. You know, if if it's a Timing, hot market, as we just discussed exactly. Be yeah. flexible. Everything exactly. You have to be flexible. If you find that property, and listen, I was a buyer for many years of apartments and a seller for many years. And you know, sometimes you walk into a place and say, "Oh, this is just not for me," but there are times that you walk in and say, "I oh have to gosh. have that." This mm-hmm. I, I have to have. That's this how about my own apartment? And I was showing mm-hmm. a customer. Same here. <laughs> That's amazing. They're like, this is story. I'm dying. This is such you know. a dump, and I was like, oh my god, I think about it. I love it. <laughs> and this is, and in, <laughs> but it's true. And in it's a true. frenzied market, and I have to give props to my good friend Eddie here because we do sit next to each other in the office and I've never learned it from someone more than her. She's amazing at this and that's in a frenzy market when there's a lot of competition and there's a property that's very popular for a reason and I actually had this this morning I was showing in Carroll Gardens um, and there was there's this townhouse that everyone wants and you know it's about putting together this is why it's so important to have a great broker putting together an offer that is a full package you know if that includes having a picture of the couple who's buying even you know having a picture of maybe their dog who's going to use the backyard you know that's something i've learned from 80 it's making the offer personal you know exactly. and well, because then the seller can have the emotions mm-hmm. that the buyer is having i just won a bid this year before things slowed down exactly that way i learned a long time ago when i was a, a brand new broker 14 or 15 years ago I started making my buyers write letters to the sellers yeah. and for the same reasons. Okay, wait, I didn't attach any pictures, but now now that you gave me the thought, you know, who knows? Yeah. But yeah. it wins them over all the time, especially if it's a competitive situation and the numbers are there and they decided this one or that one. If you write a nice letter and the seller reacts to that letter, 
you have a good shot of getting it. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's human. So <clears throat> you're giving them a financial component. So why not add the emotional side as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. It, it can't hurt. It cannot hurt. And I tell hurt. you, I started doing that. A colleague of mine at Halstead way back in the day um, was doing it. And I thought, well, why, why would I have to write a letter? And so I did it, mm-hmm. you know, the next time. And I thought, okay, this worked. And sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, for the most part. You're adding the emotional side to it. All right. uh, The last few months have been, to put it very lightly, a little contentious given the tenor of our times, the recent election. So if the holiday season with its gift list, party planning and tipping etiquette may have caught you off guard even more so than usual, you're not alone. But the bright side of the holiday season and in particular New York City's holiday tipping season is that in a time of discord, it gives us extra opportunity to give back and show gratitude to the hardworking staff that keeps our apartment buildings running like clockwork. And I have to tell you, you know, I've been living in New York City for many, many years. I love my building. I love my building staff. And if it weren't for my building staff, and it's every one of them, doormen, super, porters, and whatever, they keep our homes running. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'm eternally grateful because, you know, when you live in a stacked, you know, environment, you know, one box right. on top of the next, you know, it can become not so personal uh, as a home. But these guys and, and, and women in some cases make our homes wonderful. So when it comes this time of the year, a lot of my buyers, you know, that we've just sold apartments to will say, well, how much do I need to tip? You know, what is the tipping etiquette for a building like mine or for, you know, whatever? I mean, that runs the gamut. It runs the gamut. But a lot of buildings who that are large established um, buildings, I know there's a a co-op on Riverside Drive that they like to pool their tips per floor. Oh, Um, per floor. floor. Interesting. I've heard of that. Because it started unintentionally just as neighbors wanted to do something special because a number of them had done uh, renovations that year and they felt like they utilized the services much more. I also really try to um, advise my clients when they move in to do something for the super to do. um, And Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not one to tip every day when they grab me a cab. It's just not my style. I like to use it as a bit of a savings program and Mm -hmm. a nice little chunk. And so I've always um, done that, you know, when, when I have clients that buy into places like 15 Central Park West and they tell me that, well, my neighbor told me that she gave the super fifteen hundred dollars and that she gave every the main doorman five hundred dollars he was like i don't know if i'm gonna do that and i was like you know you got to do what's right for you absolutely yeah. it's all emotional I mean, I and to, it's all about how much you read right exactly I, 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 I it's, it's all it's, and it's about how much you use certain people you know exactly. if there's five doormen to a building and you know that you only ever really work with two, of, two them, of them right you know tip all of them so there's no you know fighting going on but poor but, overnight guy always gets gypped a little bit I think exactly. but I still tip him I mean I see him very seldom you know I when I was this is going to sound horrible because I'm going to say when I was young because yeah, <laughs> sorry right. don't kill me but <laughs> when I was younger yeah. <laughs> I actually used to tip the night guy the the overnight guy more well sure um because i would just say to him thank you for not judging me at three in the morning (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> now I, yeah, I can't really do that funny. as much, but you know, maybe you know, I should. I don't that, know. That's funny, but but again, it runs the gamut. You know, between the super, the doorman, and some buildings, concierge. You got porters. You got handymen. You have you know, in some cases, the garages in the buildings, so the garage attendants. So in addition to my building, I have a garage where I park my car separate from my building. So that's another whole set of two or three guys that you know you give something to every every year Mine's because like they 10 take guys. Like, well, mine has a valet as well. So there's a staff of sixteen plus the valet that's Absolutely. there that you have to. Accommodate. When I lived at the Century and I got the first Christmas card or the holiday card, as they called it in those days, <laughs> it was sixty-seven people on that holiday card, and I knew. Oh my flipped. god! I didn't remember yeah. the building was so big. I didn't really realize how many staff yeah. members were in that building. So I remember, you know, torturing myself over this card for a week, thinking, "What? Well, I mean, how do I? I mean, how do I do this? Who do I?" How do I, you know, put in yeah. different categories who I see more or not? And they had three entrances also. What'd you do? And the service, oh eleva- I, I maybe 30 of them I, I tip. Because <laughs> wow, that's a lot. So. One side of the building I never used to go on because I lived mm-hmm. on the other side. So, you know, but then they were smart also. They used to rotate. Pull it. Now, I don't know if they pulled oh. the tip, but they used to rotate the, the door people. So even if you didn't go out the south entrance and you always went out the north entrance, you know, next week you might see the same guy from the other side. Anyway, unfortunately, we are out of time. That is our show for this week. <laughs> Thanks to my panel and guests today. Thank you, Aidy, for coming here. You can Thank catch you. the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com. Mm-hmm. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.